I honestly don't know if I can subject everybody to Joe Biden. I mean, I love you too much. You made me do it. Yeah, but subjecting you to Joe Biden is hilarious, producer Ari. It wasn't that funny. It was spectacular. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it is so good to be with you. Here, how about this? It's uh, Jonathan Carl to Terry McAuliffe on the campaign trail there in Virginia. Why do you need all this help? You've got Stacey Abrams in here, two visits by the president, visit by the former president Obama, uh, visit by the first lady, visit by the vice president. Why, why, why all the, why do you need all the help? Well, we did this last time. I mean, yeah. we did the same thing in 13. Yeah. I mean, we always bring them in. This is, this is the biggest race in America. Who doesn't want to be here? For the most part, Glenn Youngkin is keeping prominent Republicans on the sidelines. Now. It is true that Yonkin hasn't brought in Trump that I know of or anything else like this. This is the Virginia governor's race. Glenn Yonkin is the Republican. Terry McAuliffe, the former governor, running for, for re-election. He ran in 2013. That's the way they do it. They're just one term. He was also a guy who headed up the DNC. And everything he talks about, every single thing he discusses has to do with Donald Trump. Anything he says about Yonkin, it's somehow connected to Trump. Tour on Friday in Arlington, one day after campaigning with Vice President Kamala Harris. He's urging his party to take this race more seriously as he tries to label his opponent as the Donald Trump of Virginia. We don't need a, a Donald Trump in khakis. Let me tell you that, folks. This is a real serious election. We need someone who understands how tough this job is and what it takes. We don't need someone with no experience in state government. Why don't you need someone with no experience in state government? We've seen what people who have experience in state government do, and some of us are super unhappy. So why not have someone who has no experience in state government? I don't don't think that's the end of days or the end of time. I think that, that might be exactly what's preferred right about now. That's exactly the desire to have somebody who isn't in the dreck. That's like, that's like a dream. I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. I don't know how that's supposed to reach people. I don't know how that's supposed to somehow move people to your cause. What I do know is that this race is actually a referendum race, and that's rare. That is really, really rare. The reason I've been talking about this, and the election is next week, and this is going to be a a big dominating story, and I've wanted you to have a a lot of uh, background in it, um, is, is that this will play as the referendum. Not only are we discussing the idea of whether or not a Republican win in Virginia, Because we're not talking about the whole of Virginia here. We're talking about specifically Northern Virginia, where so many leftists are, that really swings what happens in the state. And it has been been happening for the past decade. But if a Republican wins, I mean, this is just a massive punch, a massive punch that the Democrats, they're going to be behind the eight ball on this. They're not going to be able to throw this as, oh, it's just a one-off. Oh, it's a special election. It's not a special election. It's just the system by which Virginia goes in the years that they vote. It's not a special election. But what happens when Terry McAuliffe wins by three points? I think this was a point made by Dan McLaughlin over at National Review. Dan's Dan's a nice dude. 
And his point was was that you know all of the pundits and all of the uh, uh, the the what, consultant class they will all take the strategy. Every candidate they they uh, work with, it'll be nothing but attacking Trump, tying their competitor to Trump all the time. That's all you'll hear about. And at the same time, you'll see Democrats resigning in the House like it's their job. Two Democrats just said they're not running for re-election. You had Speaker Pelosi on with uh, was it was it Jake Tapper? Saying, I'm not, why are you asking me if I'm going to run for re-election? I'm not, I'm, you think I'm going to tell you? Now, she's already kind of stated that she's not going to run for re-election. But understand that the, 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 the policies by which Terry McAuliffe is running, I ask you, is this a winning message? And I make the point that we've got to do a better job in our education system. We've got to go back K to 6. Uh, early on, we've got to start teaching, talking about these issues much earlier than we've done it before. And we don't do a good job in our education system talking about diversity, inclusion, openness, and so forth. We don't. We've got our textbooks. But, you know, there has to be a big part of how, how do you fit in, in into the social work of our nation and our fabric? How is it that we deal with one another is, to me, is as important as, you know, your math class or your English class and so forth. And- This leading Democrat wants you to know that wokeness, diversity and inclusion, is just as important as math. And that's not true. If only because I want the math teacher to teach math, then I will teach my children how to be decent and how to deal with different people. That's my job. And I don't want to give that job up to schools because I don't think they're capable of doing it because I've seen the other things they do and I'm not impressed. Although math, so far, I'm still impressed. Unless, of course, you're like the state of Indiana and you teach radical math, which is utilizing math to teach social justice, in which case I am less impressed. This is about a complete and total, uh, a fundamental misunderstanding of what we want from schools. We don't want you to teach diversity. We'll take care of this. You are not qualified. You don't have what it takes And every time you bring it up like you have some kind of secret knowledge about it. It's embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. It's ridiculous. But this is what Terry McAuliffe is putting on the table as part of the election. Now, ask yourself, with everything that's gone on, you think Democrats are happy about that? If that message loses, don't you think that plays out in other places Or do you think they're going to double down in other places on those kinds of messages? I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a harbinger. Now, if McAuliffe gets a blowout, 10 points, ah, all Republicans are in a, in a, in a, in a bad, bad, super bad spot. Nothing is showing that at the moment. And I'm not just talking about polling. I'm talking about the anecdotal stuff. Terry McAuliffe. Coming off as unlikable and as a jerk. Speaking of, what did Joe Biden have to say? I've got that coming up for you. And the Fauci story. Oh, God, I'll do it. I'm Tony Katz. So Joe Biden heads himself to New Jersey 
gives himself a speech on, well, why we need the Build Back Better agenda. They've been doing this for a long time. You would think that America would be in with this or down with this or cool with this. They're not. America's not cool with this. They don't have any interest in this whatsoever. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, be sure uh, to like the page. They keep trying to sell it. They keep trying to sell it. Don't you get it? America's just not that into you. They're not into this package, which is not an infrastructure package. Biden may still try to sell it as an infrastructure package. But that's not how Democrats are selling it. Now they're selling it as a social spending package. And so he's he's campaigning for, for, for uh, Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, Democrat. And he's there with the Amtrak trains because you know the man is crazy about the choo-choos. And uh, he says this. And I want to acknowledge both Senator Booker and Menendez, who represent you so well in Washington. <clears throat> They're down there trying to get this all moving. I'm here today to talk about what's fundamentally at stake for the families of New Jersey, the whole region here, and for our country. For most of the 20th century, we led the world by a significant margin, not just led the world, by a significant margin, because we invested in ourselves, we invested in our people, not only in our roads and our highways and our bridges, but in our people, in our families. We're among the first to provide access to free education, 12 years of free education for all anyone who is an American, beginning back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. And that decision to invest in our children and our families was a major part, a major part, why we were able to lead the world for so much of the 20th century. But somewhere along the way, we took our eyes off the ball. Our infrastructure used to be the best in the world, not hyperbole, the best in the world. Today, according to the World Economic Forum, we rank 13th in the world. Twelve other nations have superior infrastructure to us. And China has trains that go 230 miles an hour for long distances, and we got money to do that back in the, the administration of Barack Obama and Joe Biden, and you had a Republican governor who didn't want it, didn't want any parts of it. We used to lead the world in educational achievement. Now the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development ranks America 35 out of 37 countries when it comes to investing in early childhood education and care. 35 out of 37. We cannot be competitive in the 21st century global economy. We continue to slide. My wife, who's a community college professor, says, any nation that out-educates us will out-compete us. Say it again, any nation that out-educates us will out-compete us. And that's a fact. That's why I resolve that we have to once again build America from the bottom up and the middle out. I've never seen a time in American history when the middle class did well, the wealthy didn't do very well. But I'm tired of trickle-down. Trickle-down hadn't worked so much for the last 15 years for working-class and middle-class folks. That's why I propose two critical pieces of legislation being debated back in Washington right now. These bills are not about left versus right or moderate versus progressive or anything that pits an Ameri one American against another. These bills are about competitiveness versus complacency. Competitiveness versus complacency. They're about expanding opportunity 
not opportunity denied. They're about leading the world or continuing to let the world pass us by. First, the infrastructure bill. It's about rebuilding the arteries of America. And the Portal Bridge project is showing why investments like this are so important. All right, all right, enough about your bridge. A guy who spent 40 years in government is going to talk about the world passing us by? The problem with the cliches like this is that they cannot work when you were the thing that was the opportunity to stop them from passing us by. And you didn't do it. Why didn't Barack Obama do it for eight years? Why didn't you tell him it's a big blanking deal? By the way, Obama was campaigning for Terry McAuliffe, one of the great, one of the great Obamaisms ever. We don't have time to be f- wasting on these phony, trumped-up culture wars, this fake outrage that, that right-wing media peddles to juice their ratings, and the fact that he's willing to go along with it instead of talking about serious problems that actually affect serious people—that's a shame. He's just ridiculous. It's the right pushing the phony culture wars? From that guy? That's, that is, that is fresh. It, it isn't the most insane thing you've ever heard. You know, we, re- we really should play. I wasn't, I wasn't going to play. This wasn't the plan, but we should really Really, play, you know what? Screw it. I'm doing it. And now, it's time for everybody's newest game show. What's more pathetic? It's a show where we take more than one pathetic thing, compare them, and you decide what's more pathetic. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Mr. Tony Katz. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you there, faceless announcer guy. I am Tony Katz. It's time to play What's More Pathetic. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take two audio clips. We're going to play them, and you're going to decide which one is indeed more pathetic. Producer Ari, are you ready to play? Ready as I'll ever be. America, are you ready to play? Perfect. I'll take that as a yes. Of course, we heard our first entrant here. It is former President Obama, who wants to let you know that the culture wars are phony and is all the right wing's fault. We don't have time to be wasting on these phony, trumped-up culture wars. This fake outrage that the right wing media peddles to juice their ratings. And the fact that he's willing to go along with it? Instead of talking about serious problems that actually affect serious people, that's a shame. That's not what this election's about. That's Barack Obama letting you know that the culture wars are phony and all the fault of the political right. That's pretty good. But what about Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, letting you know that Joe Biden has absolutely visited the border when he was campaigning in 2008. Okay, following up on something else the president said last night, why did President Biden say he has been to the border? 
Well, Peter, uh, as you may have seen, there's been uh, reporting that he uh, did drive through the border when he was on the campaign trail in 2008, and he is certainly familiar with the fact, and it stuck with him, with the fact that uh, in El Paso, uh, the border goes right through the center of town. Oh, is that a tough one? What's more pathetic? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Twitter, Tony Katz. Tony at TonyKatz.com. As of course, as we uh, as we do in the game, the first vote goes to producer Ari. Uh, producer Ari, what's more pathetic? Is it Barack Obama saying that the political right is guilty of the phony culture war? Or is it Jen Psaki saying, of course, Joe Biden has visited the border. He drove through El Paso in 2008. I think it's Jen Psaki by a mile. Yes, but but how could it be when when you have a guy who told us you can keep your doctor and you can keep your plan, a guy who did more to engage the division of Americans uh, than, than anyone telling you that the culture wars are phony, ginned up by the political right? My explanation is that... It takes more explanation for the Obama clip, and that if you you need more context for that one, you can hear Jen Psaki talk about. Well, he has been to the border in 2008, and instantly know like that is silly. You don't need to have any other context. So that's why I put it ahead. Where are you, everybody? Eight three three got Tony. Eight three three four six eight eight six six nine. Is this a runaway? Is it Jen Psaki by a country mile? By the way, not the only thing uh, that that she said. Uh, admitting that they absolutely cannot reduce gas prices. If I could play it. Gas prices, the president was asked about that. A lot of Americans have been concerned about the cost to go to the pump these days. He said, I don't see anything that's going to happen in the meantime that's going to significantly reduce gas prices. He said, I don't have a near-term answer. For Americans who are looking for an answer, what is the answer? Well, what is true, and I think the president, as we, as I said earlier, was quite candid last night, as the American people should express from him, uh, expect from him, and from any president. Um, and there are limitations to what any president can do as it relates to gas prices. Here's what we have been doing. As we've said for some time, we are engaging broadly with OPEC uh, on our concerns at a range of levels. Um, and that is something we will continue to do. As you know, Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, recently met with leaders in Saudi Arabia and certainly raised this issue. It's interesting to hear her say, uh, well, there's only so much that a president can do about gas prices. Because uh, I, I, if gas prices were lower, you'd be taking all the credit for it in the world. So I guess when they do go down, that won't be you either, which I maybe maybe should I appreciate is, is a more um, honest, honest take. And then, of course... There is the ever popular Jen Psaki uh, yelling at Peter Ducey that you don't have to go down to the border to know what the border problem is. Uh, he does not need a visit to the border to know what a mess was left by the last administration. That's his view. Does that count as a visit? He said, I've been there before. You're saying he drove by for a few minutes. Does that count? 
What do you? What is the root cause? Where are people coming from who are coming to the border, Peter? The president said that. I'm he asking. Has I'm asking you a question because I think people should understand the context. No, you're where do people? Question, where do people? Question, co- I'm asking you. If that okay, happens. I'll answer it for you. People come from Central America and Mexico to go to the border. The president has been to those countries ten times to talk about border issues. There is a focus right now on a photo op. The president does not believe a photo op is the same as solutions. But he said that may be a difference he has with but, Republicans. But that's not what he said either. He said, I guess I should go down. So does he think that he needs a photo op? Is that what he's saying? He, he doesn't. Saying? And that's a fundamental disagreement he has. I- Jen Psaki is falling apart. I mean, it can't be said uh, enough. But we have to answer the key question, people. What's more pathetic? Is it more pathetic for President Obama to say the culture wars are phony and ginned up by the right wing? Or is it more pathetic for Jen Psaki to say, of course, Biden visited the border. He drove through El Paso when he was running for vice president in 2008. Let's go to the phones. Kyle, welcome to the show. What's going on, Kyle? I ask you right now, what's more pathetic? Psaki. 100%. 100%. It's always Saki. Unless she's going up against Potato Head, it's always going to be Saki. The, the blocking and tackling and the covering she does and the circling back and all, it's 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 insane. Can, it's, I, can, I, can I just get a ruling here, uh, Producer Ari? Is Potato Head Brian Stelter? That is Brian Stelter, correct. So, okay, okay. So unless she's going up against Brian Stelter, who you, Kyle, what, what was your name for him? Yes, absolutely. Unless... Oh. unless you wait, so, so, but you're, it's Potato Head. You're calling him Potato Head. I just want to make sure. <laughs> of course, of course. Nothing else. Or the thumb. The thumb would be another good one. Kyle, I, I appreciate it. It's another vote for Jen Psaki agreeing with producer Ari. Morgan, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Morgan, uh, answer this. What's more pathetic, Barack Obama or Jen Psaki? Jen Psaki is way more pathetic. And what, what makes you say that? How do you come to such a strong conclusion? She can't, she's just like the person she's trying to defend every day. She can't hardly string a coherent sentence together without contradicting herself all the time. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, look, I, uh, I, I, I'd hate to say that you're wrong, but you are not wrong. Jen Psaki is clearly more pathetic in this instance than Barack Obama, and I didn't even think that could happen. This is madness. Now, I will tell you what I thought was so interesting. Uh, He does not need... No, not that. What's so interesting is that Chris Wallace on Fox News actually referred to her as a great press secretary. Referred to her as one of the best press secretaries. Now, you may agree that she's, she's there to lie for the president. Because that's what they said of, of Kelly McEnany and of Sarah Huckabee and of Sean Spicer. Have we ever asked ourselves what the job of the press secretary actually is? Have we asked ourselves at what moment the press secretary should look at the president and be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. It's one thing to make sure you're getting the president's message out. That's your job. But to say that the president has visited the border, he drove through it in 2008, Producer Ari's point is my point. You didn't hear that at the very second it was said and say, what, are you nuts? Nobody buys that. Nobody believes that. What are you, crazy? You can't say that to people. 
So is the difference uh, saying the president does not feel he needs a trip to the border right now? He is fully briefed on the border every single day. Going there is a photo op. That's not what he's about. He's working the problem. That would be an answer. He's already been there? That's insane. And so is that what makes a good press secretary not a good press secretary? The difference between those types of answers. You can't tell me Jen Psaki's doing a great job. These past couple weeks have been absolute failure. She looks silly. And we all know it. She is more pathetic. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Now, I know with everything today, I didn't get to the Fauci experiments on dogs and on monkeys in so gross. These things that the NIH is funding, but there are real questions as to why they're funding it. And and when you see these experiments on dogs where they're locked in cages and sand flies allowed to eat them alive, eating puppies alive, that was funded by Fauci's NIH division. Monkeys that had parts of their brain um, hit with acid so they would respond worse to fear. It's, it's, the, it's the stuff of psychological thrillers, but there's this follow-up now as to why in the world would you run these kinds of experiments anyway? What is the purpose here? I'll break this down more tomorrow. I know a lot of people are talking about it today, but I wanted to get some more research done to be able to kind of give it in its fold. There's just, there's nothing good that comes of it though.